everybody. Um, it's been a while. It has been a while since I last recorded. It's actually been pretty much uh, a full month since I last recorded episode, uh, my last episode. But we are. I'm back. This is episode 33, Nothing But Sports Podcast. So this episode is probably going to be more on the uh, shorter, shorter side. But I've got two things to talk about. Kind of three things. The the number two and three topics sort of branch into each other. So we're going to talk about the NBA, the uh, NBA Finals. We're talking about Game 4 in the series. And then we're going to talk about the Rams signing Aaron Donald, or re-signing, excuse me, giving extensions to Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup and both big money extensions. So let's get it started. NBA Finals. So the series is tied two games apiece between the Warriors and the Celtics. Celtics won game one games one and three, and the Warriors won game two and game four last night. Last night was one hundred seven to ninety seven. Steph Curry forty three points and ten boards, an unbelievable performance. So let's sort of analyze what happened because, in my opinion, I felt like as great as Curry was, Curry was fantastic. First, I think first player in a, in a finals to have forty plus points and ten plus. Rebounds or something since Dwayne Wade did it in 2006 against the Dallas Mavericks. So, phenomenal performance from Steph Curry. All those people saying he's not clutch and he can't come up clutch in the finals, that performance will shut your mouth right there. So, he was phenomenal, but I really do think the Celtics let one slip last night in Game 4. And I'm going to tell you why. So, the game obviously ended up as a 10-point margin of victory for the Warriors, but really it was a lot closer than that. At the end, it was sort of just free throws um, free throws that sort of did them. And first of all, Boston missed five free throws. So that could have been a difference. But the main reason I think Boston sort of let this one slip was the fourth quarter execution, particularly in the last seven or six or so minutes of the basketball game. There was just way too many three-pointers, in my opinion. I want to say I think they went four of 13 from three in the fourth quarter. And I think 13 threes in a quarter for a team like the Boston Celtics is just too many. Now, Boston actually shot it decent from the three, 15 of 38, 40%. So that's actually not bad. But if you look at four of 13 in that, I think four of 13 in that fourth quarter, especially in those last couple minutes, that's not going to get it done. Okay. I mean, Boston, they're a great team, but three, and they can shoot the three ball. But the three-pointer, I wouldn't say, is their number one strength. Their number one strength is defense and playing and getting inside the paint and playing the big guys with Al Horford and Robert Williams. So taking all those threes is not a not their strength. Sure, they were able to do it in game one in that fourth quarter, but you can't rely on that every game because as the NBA is now, you live by the three, you die by the three. And again, if that were the Warriors in that situation, I'm okay with them doing that. Last night was an exhibit. Klay Thompson really didn't play well, but hit two or three big three-pointers in the fourth quarter. Steph Curry hit two big threes late, so they can get it done, but they're, in my opinion, the two greatest shooters to ever walk the planet for the NBA, so I'm okay with them doing it, but I'm not okay with Marcus Smart taking semi-contested three-pointers on the left key where instead of pump-faking, driving, kicking out or maybe going up for a layup. Um, and especially Jalen Brown taking big catch-and-shoot threes from the uh, from the keys with like seven on the shot clock 
when he is not hot from three. Look, the shots in the fourth quarter from three the Celtics took were three-pointers you take when you're in a rhythm or you're red hot from three. I wouldn't say they weren't red hot from three at any point in the game. They were shooting the ball, I guess, well. Both teams shot the ball well as far as percentages go, but Boston, in my opinion, was never scorching hot from the three like they, they caught fire in game one, like I said, but not it's but they were never scorching hot for them to take those those three point shots. And I, I still don't know why, because the game was only like a three point, four point deficit. So they could have come down, hit a two, got it maybe got a defensive stop and um, you know, tried to go back inside and get another two. And that's the best way to score when your three pointers are struggling. Get to the paint, get some easy layups, or at least take 15-foot jumpers. I feel like people underestimate how key the mid-range game can be and how it can really help. Smart was getting great looks when he was posting up at the elbow or a little a little further down the elbow in the paint and, and turning around and hitting some jumpers. I mean, that he, they were having success with attacking the paint. Robert Williams was doing a good job defending the paint, but they were doing a good job crashing the boards as well, although Andrew Wiggins did have a great day. A great night last night for the Warriors and the boards. But the Celtics, they were doing some damage in the paint. And they just decided to take the threes and make it look all cool and sexy. And it, it just didn't work out. And I think that's the main reason why they ended up losing this game. Because again, they played well on defense. They held the Warriors to 107 points. And like the last couple points were sort of when the game was lost. So really around 104, 103 points. That's a good defensive performance in today's NBA, in today's NBA game. Especially like a team like the Warriors, who can really light it up. So they played great defense again, but their execution on the offensive possessions was just poor, and it came back to bite them. And, and you could say this, and it, it's happened before in the postseason, game one of the Eastern Conference semifinals at home against, Mil, uh, at home against Milwaukee. They took 53-pointers. And the last thing I want to uh, stress about that was they were in the bonus with about five minutes to go, and I don't remember them getting to the free-throw line at all. Because they were just taking threes. Why not pump fake, drive in, and get, and get to the basket and get a foul call? All right, Clay Thompson had four fouls. All right, Steph Curry, I think, had three or four fouls. So if they could have gotten one more on Clay, then maybe, you know, Steve Kerr takes him out for a little bit and he doesn't hit those two big threes. They, everything was on their side. They were in the when you're in the bonus, you have to take advantage. Um, and again, if you're wide open from three, go ahead and take it. But if you're semi contested and you're not knocking them down, try a pump fake, step in, take a jumper, or maybe throw or go go inside the lane and take try and get a layup. And most likely in today's NBA, if you get some contact on the layup, you're going to get a foul call and go to the free throw line and sink your and sink the and sink sink the two or three sink the two shots the charity stripe. So, yeah, I feel like that's what Boston should have done. And I was saying this as the game was going on; they're just taking way too many three pointers, live by the three, die by the three, I guess. But like there was one possession where Marcus Smart took two threes from exactly the same spot. It both somewhat like semi-contested, and they both clanked off and weren't even close. And I mean, one place he improved that as a point guard was he pump he pump fakes and instead throws it in the post and gets an easier look. But for some reason, he just they just didn't do that in the fourth quarter. They just continued to take the threes. And again, a reason they might rue the performance is because you can never let a championship experience team. Get back into it. You can't give, if you've learned anything from the Lightning with the Rangers this year, or just in general in sports, you can't let a championship team or a championship winning team with championship DNA, 
You cannot give them life because most of the time they'll make you pay. All right, let's move on now to the second part of the podcast, which is the Rams. We're just going to talk about the Rams. So Aaron Donald, it opened up with Aaron Donald, I believe on Monday, getting a, I believe it was Monday, getting a massive uh, extension, two years, 60 million. And then it became Cup, got the massive, got his own massive extension, I think two days later, which was three years, $80 million. So let's talk about Aaron Donald's first. So Aaron Donald gets a two-year, $60 million extension, which gives him a total of $95 million for the next, in total for the next couple years. And he'll be making around $40 million in the next season, or next two seasons. So for those who say this is too much money, Aaron Donald, in my opinion, is worth every single penny that the Rams are paying him this season. I don't think that's a question at all. Just look at the man's resume, okay? I mean, the dude is a monster, okay? He's just a downright monster. He can dominate a game with him being triple teamed almost every single possession, and just his mere presence alone impacts the game. That's when you know it's it's something great, when your presence alone impacts everything, okay? And you want to talk about, you know, and some people had the knock on him. Well, he didn't come up clutch in the big moments. Well, I beg to differ. If you look at the Super Bowl, the NFC Championship game, he makes the game winning, game winning sack. In the Super Bowl, he holds, I think on third down, he holds, he holds the running back. I think it was uh, P. Ryan from getting the first down. Then on fourth down, he applies the pressure on Joe Burrow that ends up with the sack. So, he basically, he basically shuts the door on defense in the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl. And the year before that, I mean, he, he didn't do much in Green Bay, but he was playing with cracked ribs. So there's nothing much you can do when you play with cracked ribs. So, I mean, there's nothing much to say about his, his credentials. I think, as far, I don't know, when we talk about greatest D-lineman ever, I don't know if he's in that discussion, but he's worth every penny, in my opinion. He's the heart and soul of that Rams... Rams offense or Rams defense, they he they go as he goes, and again his his presence alone just lets guys like Leonard Floyd and and Leonard Floyd or even Von Miller at the time when they got him just go one on one and end up feasting. It's going to be interesting now because they don't have Von Miller anymore. So will they try and go out and get another pass rusher and keep that three headed monster where to the point where if you double team one of them, you're going to have to one on one at least one of them or leave one of the guys unblocked. So it's so we're going to see if they go out and get another pass rusher. If they don't, and they just stick with Leonard Floyd and Von Miller, I mean, that's still, a, or sorry, Leonard Floyd and Aaron Donald, that's still a formidable duo along with uh, Jalen Ramsey in anchoring that secondary. So <clears throat> we're going to see. going to be very interesting as far as their defense goes. And talk now that's the defense. Let's talk about the offensive side of the ball. Cooper Cup. Boy, oh boy, did he, uh, three years, $80 million extension giving him now over the earning 110 million over the next five plus seasons again my opinion worth every single penny i personally think cooper cup should have been the league mvp this year i know it's i know it's a quarterback i know it's a quarterback's league and the last dude to do it was adrian peterson but i felt like cooper cup deserved it okay number one in the league in receptions number one in yards and number one in touched and number one in well he won the triple crown so yards receptions and i believe touchdowns all went the way of or targets all went the way 
of Cooper Cup. Every single one of those stats. Number one. And he was also top, top, uh, I think he was top three, top five in yards after the catch. I believe he was also number one in targets. He was second this season. He ranked second all time in total receiving yards and second all time in receptions. And people will say, well, there is the extra game. Well, guess what? There were, there were plenty of games where he sat out the fourth quarter because there was a blowout. So, and another reason I was going to say and him being the MVP was the amount of times he came up clutch. I mean, just take away the Super Bowl. How many times in the regular season did the Rams need a big play and they went to Cooper Cup? I think of games against the Seahawks, against the Cardinals. There were so many games where it was on the line and he made the move one-on-one and made, and came up big. He rarely drops passes as well. He's got very good hands. And like I said, very underrated for yards after the catch. He runs over people and he can fly. People don't realize because Cooper Cuff, is, when you look at him, he's not a naturally physically sort of gifted receiver. He's not some sort of towering beast like a DK Metcalf or an A.J. Brown. He doesn't have that lightning quick speed like a Tyreek Hill. But his route running is so great. And his, his strength is so underrated because he's able to barrel over guys. Guys can't use those lousy arm tackles on him. Two or three guys have to drag him down. It's crazy how he is, you could say, doesn't have the extreme talent as far as the physical and strength and like the physical build in general. But the way he's just able to take over games, it's, uh, it's unbelievable. Again, Super Bowl MVP. So... I have no problem with Cooper Cup getting $110 million over the next five years. That puts him, I think, the fourth highest paid wide receiver. I mean, based on his last season, he should be number one, but fourth highest is great. And the one argument maybe people could make is that, well, he only had this unbelievable season once, okay? His other seasons were good, but they weren't, like, that much money worth. How do we know it's not a fluke season? Well, he had the ACL injury, yes, but before then, he caught for 1,000 yards with Jared Goff as his quarterback. And... No disrespect to Jared Goff. Jared Goff is a good QB, but when Jared Goff was back there, <clears throat> the number one option was run. Run, 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 run. Everything is based off the run game. If there's no run game, the play action doesn't work, and Goff is pretty much helpless. So passing wasn't the number one option. And then all of a sudden you bring in Matthew Stafford, a guy who can deep bomb the ball, win a game without a win a football game without the run game, and all of a sudden Cooper Cup explodes. It's not a coincidence. If you know, guys, you look at uh, Devontae Adams, who's been doing this for a while. Well, look at the quarterbacks he's had to work with, okay? He had, he's had Aaron Rodgers his whole career. DeAndre Hopkins has had, had Kyler Murray in his two seasons in, um, in uh, has had his, in, in his two seasons in Arizona, he's had Kyler Murray. And when he was in, with the Houston Texans, he had Deshaun Watson for all of them. So if you look at it that way, if Cooper Cup had a quarterback on that level his whole career, then maybe we're having a completely different discussion. If he had maybe a la someone like a Rodgers or a Wilson or something, maybe he's the top receiver since he comes into the league, but we'll never know. So he's been doing a lot more with lesser receivers than people give him than with lesser quarterbacks than people give it people give him credit for. So I have no problem with Cooper Cup being that highly paid. I honestly thought that the Rams would have given him more. But um, what's crazy about this is people talk about the cap room. Well, the cap is actually, this actually helps the cap because most of it comes through signing bonus like Aaron Rodgers deals. So they're kicking the, the sort of the can, they're kicking the can down the line. They're 
going to dump the money all in the later years when the salary cap continues to rise. So they've actually cleared up around $3 million in cap room, which is kind of crazy <laughs> to think about, especially considering when you pay these, when you look at the numbers, like, wow, they paid Aaron Donald this much money. They paid Cooper Cup this much money. And they've somehow cleared cap room. Well, that's because they've just kicked the can down the line and put the money toward the later years and the salary cap. So when the salary cap rises, the hit is um, sort of balanced out. So they actually clear some room here. And the Rams have done a good job this year. I mean, they had a lot of pieces that, you know, a lot of free agents and stuff. Obviously, they weren't able to keep everyone. That's a very common thing. The only team to actually bring back all 22 starters was the Tampa Bay Bucks, who did it last season. But So they lost Von Miller, and they lost um, Andrew Withworth to retirement, which actually helped because that cleared up <clears throat> some cap room with his big contract. And then they lost, uh, excuse, they traded Robert Woods. Well, look who they've retained. People were talking about Aaron Donald retiring. Well, they're bringing him back. He was huge in the NFC Championship game in Super Bowl. They've tied Cooper Cup for the next five years, and he was the Super Bowl MVP. They've tied Matthew Stafford for the next four years, who in his first year, first year in a brand new system, came to LA with all the pressure on him because he didn't have the excuse of being in Detroit anymore. And he led them to a Super Bowl. They locked him up as well. So they pretty much locked up, in my opinion, those are the three biggest pieces. Jalen Ramsey is still tied there as well. So they've got a bunch of big pieces. Now, will they bring back Odell Beckham Jr.? Cooper Cup wants it. I would be. I think that would be a great move for them. But another thing people are forgetting is, yes, they lost Robert Woods, but they traded for Allen Robinson. That is a really good pickup that I don't think a lot of people are talking about because of how many of the top receivers have been getting paid so much. And you people look at Allen Robinson's numbers and be like, well, they're not that impressive. The man was playing with Nick Foles, Andy Dalton, Mitchell Trubisky, and a rookie Justin Fields in a Matt Nagy offense. There's not much someone can do. Now, that being said, I don't think Robinson can be a number one wide receiver, no. But he can be that reliable guy in the slot that Robert Woods, Robert Woods was and Odell Beckham played a part in when Robert Woods went down. Now, if they could bring back Odell Beckham Jr., that just makes life even more, even more of hell. Because people forget, I think Od- Odell still has a lot left in the tank. Even though he's got an ACL injury, so he's going to be out for a, he's going to be out for the start of the season. But he had a pretty scary injury with the Giants. He was able to beat that. He had his injury problems in Cleveland, and he was able to beat that. And still, and the Super Bowl showed you he was still explosive. So he's he's beaten all the injuries, quote unquote, that he is that he has suffered. I don't think he's slowing down at any point. So he now I don't think Odell could be a number one, but he can be definitely be a number two. We saw that in the Super Bowl. The Rams would have I think blown the Bengals out out of the building or not blown them out. It would have been a much more comfortable game if Odell didn't get hurt. I want to say in the second quarter because Odell was cooking in the <clears throat> in the first half. So look at let's look at this Rams offense now. Let's say you put Odell back in there with Allen Robinson and Cooper Cup and a couple of reliable tight ends like Jared, um, like Tyler Higby and Everett. You've got a pretty balanced offense. Then all of a sudden now, you want to bring a double team on Cooper Cup? Cool. You're leaving Allen Robinson and Odell Beckham Jr. one-on-one. If you don't bring a double team, you're leaving Cooper Cup one-on-one. All right. You want to bring safety help over the top? Odell Beckham Jr. can beat you deep still with all the attention focused on Cooper Cup. And both guys, all three guys are very good route runners. So, this is a really, really good offense. Not to mention uh, um, Jefferson. Um, 
is going to take a step. Vance Jefferson, he's probably going to take a couple steps forward. They're really high on him. So this Rams team, with everything they've done in the offseason, is looking really good at repeating as at least NFC champions. Now, that being said, the Buccaneers are still there, and they're going to be healthy, and they've still got the greatest of all time, Tom Brady, who who tricked people who 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 tricked people into a false sense of security when people they thought they were safe from him when he called the quits but he's coming back so but i think the rams are still favorites so even with tom brady their packers have gotten weaker i'd say it's probably a two horse race between the buccaneers and the rams maybe you can throw in a couple teams i don't know maybe you can reach and throw in dallas maybe even philly to some extent but the Rams are looking good. Now, that being said, if they were to get to the Super Bowl, I'm not going to pick them over, say, a Kansas City team, a team like, or maybe even anyone in that AFC West. I don't know if I pick them over the Chargers, the Chiefs. I'd probably maybe pick them over the Raiders and or maybe the Broncos, actually. But all four would be a really close matchup as well. Not to mention Buffalo is still kicking around in the AFC. So again, I think the Rams are looking really good to repeat as at least NFC champions. I think they're going to be I think they're going to be division champions. I don't trust the 49ers. I certainly don't trust Kyler Murray down the stretch. And I think he's proving the last couple of years has proven with the way the Cardinals have faded down the stretch. Also not to mention we have no idea what's going on with him and his contract disputes with the organ with the um with the organization. So they're probably going to win that NFC West crown, and I think they'll get to the Super Bowl. The question is, will they win another Super Bowl? It's very hard to repeat. I think I can only remember the last team to do it were the New England Patriots, and I don't know who else before that was doing it. I guess the Packers repeated when the Super Bowl's one and two, but I don't know if that counts. So, yeah, the Rams are looking good. Anyway, that is going to do it for this week's episode. Again, I know it was a short one, but I felt like I had to get one out. Because I hadn't recorded in so long. Um, I'm going to try and get back. Again, I'm not probably going to not upload next weekend because I'll be away. But probably if the NBA Finals goes to a game, uh, I'll probably do a recap of the NBA Finals when I get back. And hopefully there's some more news to talk about. Anyway, thank you guys so much for uh, listening. And I will hopefully see you again in the next week, next two weeks or so.